You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined by Gabby Ruthia. Monday, December 27th. Just want to timestamp it in the morning uh, because it's a time where news can drop anytime, uh, whatever that might be. So, want to let you guys know when we're recording this podcast. Um, and yeah, let's just hop into it here, Gabby. Well, let me say this on the front end too. I am recording this podcast from the from a cabin in the mountains of Northwest Georgia. I believe I, I think I have pretty good internet here, honestly, in this cabin. But if you hear noises like children running around having fun, that's what's going on in my current situation. I'm recording this on quote unquote vacation. So uh, but with that being said, news never stops. Right. So let's hop. Let's start the podcast here. Um with the latest news on Sunday night that dropped. And Gabby, I think it was kind of trending this way, honestly. Once once it was reported that uh, Miami was delaying their arrival in El Paso, Texas for the Sun Bowl uh, the day before the game. To me, that was a sign that Miami felt like, you know, they were hopeful, but probably wasn't going to be realistic to play the game due to uh, COVID stuff uh, that the team is dealing with. Um, so on Sunday night, it was officially announced that Miami had to pull out of the Sun Bowl. Uh, feel bad for Washington State because it's my understanding they're already there in El Paso. I don't, I don't think they're going to get a replacement to play them. Is that right, Gabby? Have you seen anything in that regard? No, I saw some of the teams like some of the teams that were mentioned were like. Syracuse, Texas, and some other, but I, you can't just like whip together a roster in, in four days and just yeah. go play someone. Like that's kind of crazy too. So disappointed. I mean, players, various players tweeted out, you know, statements or emojis of disappointment, which I, I feel for them because look, I mean, players want to play, right? Um, and I think they wanted to play in this game. One last hurrah. I think it was a winnable game, um, but alas, it's not going to happen. I mean, obviously, if you're a college football fan, you you kind of see that this is happening at, at many different bowl games. So um, we will see how it impacts the rest of the college football landscape. But Gabby, I just want to take this here. Um, you know, what what did you want to see most out of the Sun Bowl that you're kind of like, man, I wish we got to see that, and now we don't. What What do you think is going to be like the biggest impact of of losing this game for Miami as we're looking towards twenty twenty two? Yeah, honestly, for me, it's just I kind of wanted to just see them win one. Uh, yeah, Miami's had their struggles throughout the bowl game. I don't think that's a secret at this point. Like, yeah, you know, pretty obvious that that has not been a favorable sort of season for them. Kind of wanted to just see them get in the win column, man. I thought again, I thought this was a winnable game. Uh, you know, they were had won five of the last six. I think I would have felt pretty good going into this Washington State game. You know, I think it just would have been a great way to just kind of kick everything off and, you know, head into the offseason, head into, you know, you know, winter workouts and, you right. know, the if he calls it the fourth quarter program and even spring ball and all that stuff, I think it would have been just another, you know, positive step forward towards all those things. And they need to sort of eradicate this bull drought. They need to figure something out there. So, uh, to me, I just would have liked to just see them win a game in a bowl game, in right. a bowl game like this, and you know, in a setting like that that they haven't done it in, you know, I guess since twenty, what is it, twenty sixteen when they beat West Virginia, West Virginia, and then before that, it was I believe two thousand five, two thousand six, something yeah. like that. So Which yeah, is crazy. I mean, yes, the last fifteen years, sixteen years, they've won uh, one bowl game. So I agree. Would have been nice to kind of end that trend. 
uh, if they were able to win that game. For me, it's just kind of more of like, uh, I'm disappointed in two things in particular. Number one, I think it would have been, and look, my understanding is practices were kind of just tough. Like the practices leading up to this bowl game, I don't even know if they were necessarily even happening here recently. I know there was Um, coaches that had COVID. Agreed. Yeah, there were. um, So, yeah, I mean, the build up to the game, I don't know if it it, it definitely was not typical. And uh, so what I'm getting at here is I don't know necessarily what type of like true evaluation Mario Cristobal would have been able to get of this Miami roster that's going to return next year, but it's still something if they had played the game and even if they had practiced. And to me, that's kind of like a missed opportunity for, for coach Cristobal to really get an understanding of this roster in person, right? Cause he can always watch film and all that stuff, but it's different when you watch it live. Cause you can see how different guys react to different situations, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it's, it's disappointing to me in that regard. And within that point, right. I feel for the younger players that uh, really would have had a nice opportunity right. to have this game be a launching point. Right. I would even include Tyler Van Dyke in that conversation. I would definitely include some of the younger receivers, right. Who was going to step up on the outside yeah. for Charleston Rambo. Um, you know, so guys like Jacoby George, who had a nice showing against Duke, could he have kept it rolling against Washington State? Uh, Romello Brinson, uh, you know, Keyshawn Smith, of course. So, yeah, I mean, look, I and, and on the defensive side, you know, Leonard Taylor would have been nice to see him get some big time run in this game. Um, Avante Williams, et cetera. So missed opportunity, but um, you know, maybe it is Chase what it Smith is. At, maybe some Chase Smith at linebacker. That would have been great. Yep, that would have been great. So missed opportunity. Hope everyone at, at UM is uh, going to get through this, whatever they're dealing with in terms of COVID positives um, in a healthy way. And uh, But we move on to 2022. And so that kind of transitions, Gabby, into what we're waiting for now in terms of news slash announcements and that is Mario Cristobal building out his coaching staff. And I think since our last podcast, we, we've peppered the website at insidetheu.com with, with kind of what we're hearing in terms of guys either Coach Cristobal's talking with or guys we expect to be on staff. And one of the guys that we expect to be on staff um, is his defensive line coach at Oregon, Joe Salavea. Um, so Gabby, I'll I'll let you just take this first, you know, he's kind of a new name here for us, like Southeastern guys, East coast guys, because his, uh, his coaching career has been primarily West of the Rockies. Um, so what is your reaction to that understanding that, uh, Joe Salavea is going to be Mario Cristobal's defensive line coach. Cause like of the non-coordinators, you could argue, in my opinion, the two most important uh, position coaches for any coaching staff is O-line, D-line. So Salovey is going to fill one of those roles. What was your re- initial reaction to, to, you know, hearing that understanding? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I was, I mean, I think I, I like the name. You know, I think that he's someone that's obviously proven that he could sort of coach the position. I mean, we look at what Kayvon Thibodeau's done. He was a part of that recruitment. Um, I'm not sure if he was a primary, but I think he was at least uh, yes. the secondary on that recruitment. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy that I think expands Miami's recruiting territory in terms of just maybe not just in South Florida, but I think he's, he's gonna, a guy that's able to sort of go out and do it in that way. Um, Right. You know, so again, my, I would probably maybe initially concerned, maybe for that reason too, just because, you know, South Florida, Florida typically, at least these next few cycles are producing defensive linemen when you consider, you know, Ruben Bain and, uh, you know, Derek LeBlanc, guys like that, you know, just looking forward to the 2023 class. So, you know, him being a West Coast guy, I think there's naturally a concern, like how is the fit going to sort of be down here? But again, I do think with his California ties, with his ties to Utah, which has been, 
you know, right. a state that's been producing talent at a at a pretty decent level, you know, just considering it's it's not probably the, it's probably not the place where people look at and think, oh, there's probably a lot of big time dudes there. But I mean, that's where the Sewell brothers came out of. I mean, you look at Kingsley Sewell Matalia, the off the five star offensive lineman that came out of Utah. He signed with Oregon, you know, transferred back to BYU. Um, you know, there's a lot of dudes that sort of come out Penny of there. Sewell. Penay Sewell, yeah, the Sewell brothers, and uh, you know, all the, and he was the primary recruiter for Penay Sewell, like you know, that's right. what twenty four seven Sports says here. So you know, he's a dude that's gonna that can identify top talent and and sort of go get them. And you know, he has a couple five stars under his belt recently between Thibodeau and then the the younger Sewell, who's Noel Sewell, who's a you know five star linebacker. Um, you know, I, I can get on board with it again. I think I naturally have concerns when someone makes like. A, when someone's a career West Coast guy or career Pac-12 guy or whatever it is and makes the move to South Florida, because I just think there's a natural culture, culture uh, difference there. But, you know, I think that he's a dude that's going to be able to bring something new and different to Miami, and I'm all aboard with it, man. I think that, you know, there needs to be just sort of some newness here. I think there needs to be something, and I know Mario Cristobal, I think it's clear at this point that he's going to recruit nationally. So right. you need guys like that that are going to be okay and, you know, they can show face in the West Coast and, uh, you know, they're, they're good over there. So I'm, 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 I'm good with it. Um, I'm sure I'll like it more as a, you know, we continue to see how he sort of moves forward with that role. Yeah. I think, I think we do, you know, my people who, you know, fans of the Miami hurricanes, et cetera, need to have an understanding that coach Cristobal is, he's always going to, you know, chase the top talent in South Florida first and foremost, but at the same time, he's going to recruit nationally. And I don't know if we've necessarily seen that. I don't know since what Larry Coker slash Butch Davis. Um, and look, when I say recruit national, I think we, we saw like Al Golden um, was willing to recruit nationally as well, but he was recruiting kind of guys that were more developmental players. Um, I think, Coach Cristobal is going to recruit the best of the best nationally. And um, I understand, like, you know, Joe Salavea, uh, the hesitancy there uh, that he doesn't have South Florida connections. Um, but I will say this. I mean, Mario Cristobal is going to fill in any holes that might exist with recruiting. Right. Um, at every position. not But he especially is going to pay attention to line of scrimmage recruiting um and so yeah i mean look honestly my understanding of joe salavea is he's not necessarily uh a dog recruiter anyways um but again you pair him like mario cristobal covers all that up i'll say that yeah so um like mario cristobal is not listed as a like we don't list head coaches as primary or secondary recruiters but Mario Cristobal is probably the primary or secondary on all a lot of these guys that we're talking about. A lot. And, and honestly, probably all of the players on the line of scrimmage, right. all of them. So and we're seeing it now with Cyrus Moss, like Mario Cristobal is the lead recruiter for Cyrus Moss. Right. Like, I don't right. think that that's a secret, but we just don't list it that way. Right. So Mario he, Cristobal, he's going to fill in all the gaps, like I said. And, but I do, I do like the Joe Salavea, my understanding with him is that he is, he's a good culture guy. Um, he's a guy that players like playing for. I think he does have a track record of developing guys. Obviously most recently, um, Kevon Thibodeau and, um, you know, also on his roster too is Brandon Dorless, who is a Deerfield beach guy. I believe he was a three-star coming out of Deerfield beach. And, um, He's now definitely an NFL draft pick. He might even be an NFL draft pick in this uh, upcoming draft if he decides to leave early. So um, he can develop guys. And then you mentioned, too, his connections in Utah, California. Um, you know, Joe Salavea is uh, of Polynesian descent. He's Polynesian. I think he was born in American Samoa. And, um, so look, he has inroads in that community in Utah, uh, California, I believe, you know, Colorado too, just West coast got Polynesians and, uh, you know, in the coaching community, 
at the college level, um, there is like a belief that, you know, there is an affinity for talented Polynesian players because they are known as guys that are extremely hardworking, kind of go about their business in a humble way. Um, and on game day, they just rip your heart out. So um, having, I don't know, a handful of those type of dudes on your roster is, is going to always be a good thing. And Joe Salavea can, you know, open doors for Miami that honestly we don't ever really see, right? I mean, uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember any Polynesians on Miami's roster. I'm sure there have been some. So if, you know, in the comment section, educate me for any listeners out there, but uh, I can't remember any. And so look, again, it's going to be a new mindset for Miami under Mario Cristobal. It's going to be a national recruiting mindset. Of course, everything begins in South Florida. Um, but you can't, if you want an elite roster, you can't recruit only South Florida. You got to be able to recruit Georgia. You got to be able to recruit Texas, California. You mentioned Utah. Utah's pretty underrated, honestly, with the big bodied players, right? O-line, D-line, linebacker. Um, they produce some talented guys at those positions. So um, even quarterback over the last couple of years, Jackson Dart. Yep. So I like the hire and look again, Mario Cristobal is going to help recruit at every position. That's why he's a special head coach. That's what he brings to the table. Um, it's almost like having an 11th assistant, right. Um, with the way Mario Cristobal attacks recruiting as a head coach. Um, so those are our thoughts on Joe Salavea. There's also some, some Oregon connections to know that we've talked about a little bit in the past, one of them in particular, um, but then a new name that I passed along on the website. But first, let's talk about just cornerbacks coach out at Oregon, Rod Chance, right? I think, I believe this popped after our latest podcast, but uh, Oregon announced that they were hiring a cornerbacks coach. Dan Lanning announced he was hiring a, a cornerbacks coach at Oregon, which means Rod Chance, their current or their former cornerbacks coach, who was under Mario Cristobal, is now looking for a new landing spot. What is your understanding about the potential of that happening? Are, are there conversations happening there, Gabby, from, from what you understand between Cristobal and Chance? What, what do we need to know there? Yeah, I think there's definitely conversations being had. I think that there will continue to be more conversations had throughout the week. Oregon's playing in the Alamo Bowl, I believe, on the 29th. So, you know, they're already in, in San Antonio and they're already sort of, you know, doing their thing. So I could, I would not be surprised if, you know, even at, if just after that, you know, really conversations start to get deeper. I think that, you know, you know, Rod Chance would be highly interested in coming down to, to South Florida. He played at St. Thomas Aquinas. He's a Broward County guy. Uh, he's already recruiting, uh, you know, he was recruiting for Oregon, a bunch of the, you know, South Florida guys. Uh, someone told me that he played with Damon Fagan's dad. Damon Fagan, uh, you know, is the 2023 top 247 safety out of Plantation American Heritage. He's someone that I think already, you know, has a, a pretty decent chance of playing at Miami. And I think Rod Chance would put Miami in an even better spot with that. Um, you know, so I think that he's a, a top target, you know, for Mario Cristobal at cornerback. I believe he also has other offers on the table, too. So uh, from what I understand, uh, I think he's waiting to see if Mario Cristobal you know, basically just gives them an offer. Cause I think if he, if he puts that out there, I think there's a good chance that Rod chance become a good chance that Rod chance becomes the, the cornerbacks coach at Miami. And I think it would be a good, I think it'd be a good hire. Like, you know, just throughout his career at Oregon, he's worked with guys like, you know, Javon Holland as a defensive, uh, you know, assistant, he was a, a big part of, you know, Javon Holland and, you know, Miami Dolphins fans are really familiar with him. He became a cornerbacks coach for a year at Minnesota and their past defense went from number 56 nationally to number nine nationally. And, uh, you know, they want to share of the big 10 West. So, you know, he's a guy that's kind of, got, you know, done it at a, at a high level now that he's gotten on the field and even at Oregon, uh, you know, he's, he's done a lot with, even in that 2020 season where people opted out, he still had like three guys drafted or a couple guys make all conference at cornerback despite losing their top cornerback, you know, to an opt out. So, you know, I think Rod Chance would be a pretty good, 
option for Miami at, as cornerbacks coach if that's where the direction that they went in. So we'll keep an eye on that. Again, Mario Cristobal is going to be thorough with these coaching hires everywhere, right? And I do think you, you mentioned the Alamo Bowl December 29th. And I think this applies to a lot of different coaches that Mario Cristobal is kind of targeting. He's going to let them get through, you know, coaching in their bowl game. And uh, so Rod Chance in Oregon, and this goes for Brian McClendon, um, Joe Salave as well. Um, you know, let them get through the Oregon, the uh, Alamo Bowl against uh, Oklahoma, right? So yeah. on December 29th. So maybe news will drop December 30th, December 31st with those guys. Um, one guy I wanted to pass along that I know is, is having conversations with Mario Cristobal. And I'm, I, I'll admit I am unclear in terms of like what role he would potentially fill at Miami, um, whether that's uh, defensive coordinator, which I, I don't think it would be that, but you never know. Um, cornerbacks even, um, and outside linebackers. His name is Keith Hayward. He's currently the outside linebackers coach at Cal, Cal Berkeley. Um, it is his first year coaching outside linebackers. And let me be clear, you know, like the modern day outside linebackers coach is essentially like the nickel coach or the strikers coach, as we know at Miami. Um, he is a guy that's coached at, he coached with Mario Cristobal at Oregon. He was the safeties coach there. Um, he coached defensive backs at USC. He's coached defensive backs at Washington. He played at Oregon State. I believe he, he essentially got his coaching career started at Oregon State. So he's another West Coast guy. Um, but he's a guy that is intriguing because of his recruiting connections in Southern California. Um, he, for Oregon, he was the primary recruiter for Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, so that's a huge pull um, by Keith Hayward there. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, he was a secondary recruited for, recruiter for at USC. Um, he's also coached and developed Adoree Jackson. Um, he had one year at Louisville where he uh, coached Jair Alexander before he went on to get drafted. So he, he was also the primary on Javon Holland. Right, right. So, yeah, he's a big-time recruiter in Southern California. Um, so he's intriguing again, personally, I think he makes the most sense as outside linebackers coach or nickel coach, however you want to phrase it. Um, but I will say this, he was a part of Mario Cristobal's staff at Oregon. He essentially got passed over for the defensive coordinator duties there twice. And it's my understanding. That's why he moved to Cal Berkeley this past year in 2021 to coach there. So he does have defensive coordinator aspirations. I don't know if he would necessarily get that role at Miami. Maybe he would. Um, but if it doesn't have, if, if Keith Hayward isn't interested, that might be a reason why, or, or maybe he doesn't want to coach outside linebackers anymore. He wants to coach secondary. So um, just a name to know there again, West coast guy. And as Mario Cristobal wants to recruit nationally, a guy that could also help in that regard. So another guy, I just want to throw this in there. I'm just kind of looking yeah. through his, his recruited guys. Uh, Miami, some Miami fans might be familiar with him, but he was actually the primary for Billy Gibson from right. Southridge who ended up, I mean, he, did he flip from Miami to Oregon or he did? did he or, yeah. Early in that cycle, he did. I'm not sure Billy Gibson did much. No, I don't think he did, but it's cool. That he, I mean, he came down to South Florida and he won a, Yes. a recruiting battle. So I think that's, that's notable. He also signed a guy out of Chaminade Madonna. Right. I don't remember. I don't recognize the name, Anthony Johnson. Yeah. Anthony Johnson. I think he went to Louisville and then I, I believe now he's, he, this past season, he played at Virginia. I believe he transferred to okay, Virginia, cool. I think. So yeah, his one year at Louisville and a little bit at Oregon, he showed the ability to um, recruit South Florida and honestly too, recruiters recruit, right? Like, right you don't have to necessarily be married to a region. Mario Cristobal showed that um, when he went to Oregon, right? He, he dominated the West coast 
like he dominated Florida, uh, you know, and Texas earlier in his career. So recruiters can recruit. Um, you put a big, a big time recruiter anywhere and they're going to figure it out because uh, either you're about that life or you're not. So, and, and Keith Hayward is a guy who's about that life. Um, and yeah, let's just close here before we take a break. Again, coaching stuff. I'm this is how I'm approaching it. I think I want to see how these guys finish out, you know, these bowl games that of guys that I think Mario Cristobal's talking with, like Kendall Bryles in Arkansas, right? Offensive coordinator. They're playing their bowl game on January 1st, the Outback Bowl against Penn State. I would if, if Kendall Bryles does end up being the higher at offensive coordinator for Miami. I would announce, I would, I would imagine stuff won't leak in that regard until after that game. Um, again, Alamo Bowls, one to watch too. Um, and, and for defensive coordinator, I think, you know, I do think Mario Cristobal is talking to a bunch of guys that are um, playing in like January 1st or 31st bowl games. And, the, and maybe even too, just NFL, it might be on an NFL timeline. Um, I will say I don't defensive coordinator is the one where I don't have a very good feel at all in terms of what he's thinking other than, you know, some guys he's had preliminary conversations with. Um, so we'll see. I still think we're probably a week away from really having some firm announcements in terms of staff, or at least like eight of the 10 spots being filled, if that makes sense. So Let's take a break there, and then we will get into some recruiting slash talent acquisition news that we need to touch on. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we are back. Uh, Gabby, I think we just need to start here um, because, you know, I think when, it, when he first announced that he was hitting the portal, Oregon defensive tackle Jason Jones, uh, just a massive human being, 6'7", 6'6", and a half, 320, big presence in the middle of the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, when he first hit the portal, I think a lot of people expected Miami to be in play. I think Miami was in play, but he's a guy who's from the state of Alabama and he decided to transfer to Auburn, I believe on Christmas Eve, if I have that right. So tough loss for Miami. Kind of, how do you process that one? Yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough one, but, uh, you know, I think Miami again, took a swing there. They just kind of, I mean, he decided he wanted to stay home and play for Auburn. I feel like, again, we're following trends. I think trends are starting to develop right. in the transfer portal in a way. Uh, I think that this is just, you know, a guy going, moving closer to home. Uh, we've seen it, you know, it's worked out for Miami. It's worked against Miami. I think this is just sort of the give and take with the portal that you have to sort of live with. But yeah, man, I think it's a big loss. Again, if Miami wants to go multiple, Jason Jones is a guy that you can sort of throw sort of at the nose if you're going to go like, you know, with an odd front or anything like that. And I think he's someone that would have made Miami's, you know, defensive front much better, uh, much more versatile. Um, so I think, I think it is a big loss, but, you know, grand scheme of things, this is a guy that was, you know, not on Miami's roster, you know, isn't coming to Miami. So just got to kind of deal with that and, you know, continue to find dudes that can come in and help. High school recruiting, uh, just a reminder, January 8th, Still a big day for Miami in terms of learning 
the announcements, what the, what the picks will be of top 50 players, wide receiver Kevin Coleman and edge rusher Cyrus Moss at the All-American Bowl. So Kevin Coleman from, this, from St. Louis area and uh, Cyrus Moss from Las Vegas, Bishop Gorman. Um, we've had some crystal balls trickle in for Kevin Coleman. Um, and I know you were, you recently fired one in there here, Gabby, explain that one to us. Yeah. You know, I feel like, I feel like really, I think since his official visit weekend, things had sort of been trending that way. I think I was just being more cautious about actually going in with that crystal ball. We saw Josh Newberg from Knowles 247, who's been sort of following that recruitment the whole way as a guy that, you know, Florida state was really circling as one of their top dudes in that class. Um, you know, Steve Wiltfong went ahead and moved forward with it. Alan True, the Midwest analyst for 24-7 sports, he moved forward with the Miami Crystal Ball. You know, did a little bit more digging this morning just to sort of see where Miami was feeling at this point. And I think that there's, I think that there's some confidence in the building that Kevin Coleman's going to pick them. Um, you know, they, they feel like his personality fits South Florida well. And, you know, that he's a guy that can, you know, maybe potentially come in and, you know, pick Miami on the 8th. I think that that would be a huge addition for, for this class. Again, I feel like at least high school wise, Mario Cristobal is just doing an extraordinary job of just really flipping this class, you know, upside down in a way that, you know, his first three, oh, I guess three of his first four uh, commitments could be, you know, the three top guys in the class. If Cyrus Moss hops on board, right. who I know we're going to talk about, that'd be four of his five, four of his first five commits would be the four top guys in the 2022 class. So this would be a, an awesome effort by him. And, you know, again, I'm feeling confident right now. Uh, still some time for this to play out, but I think you have to like where Miami stands right now. Yeah. And Kevin Coleman, if he does pick Miami, he would be an early enrollee guy. So yeah. he'd be there in the spring competing for, you know, potentially some early playing time as a true freshman. You mentioned Cyrus Moss, the top 50 edge rusher out of Las Vegas, Bishop Gorman guy who has impressive tape, six, six quick in space would be a big time addition. Um, I think, I think this happened before um, our last podcast. I think we touched on it, but currently, you know, the latest crystal ball there is USC from Blair Angulo, who is the regional analyst for the mountain region. So, you know, Utah, Nevada, Colorado, et cetera. Um, but his confidence score on that pick for USC is just a one. So it's just kind of like, reading the tea leaves, shoot your shot type of situation. Do you have any feel there or, or still kind of wait and see mode um, for more info on, on what Cyrus Moss might be thinking? Yeah. And I think what's notable too, is when Blair initially put in that crystal ball, he put it at a three, which is still low confidence score, but he like intentionally moved it down to a one. So, well, however good he was feeling initially about USC when he put that crystal ball in, I think he's feeling less, you know, confident about that. So um, again, I, I believe the fact that he didn't sign is a positive. We last podcast, we talked about how two of his teammates, Zion branch and his younger brother, Zachariah branch, probably go, were going to USC. Zion was already signed at that point. Zachariah just committed to USC, I think on Christmas Eve as well. Uh, so, you know, there is that sort of Trojan, you know, movement from his high school. And I think sure. the fact that USC just wasn't the clear pick, um, at least on signing day within that week. I think that's notable. I think Miami's given them a lot to think about. I think that they feel good about what they've been able to do. Um, I'm not sure anyone really knows at this point what he's doing. I'm not sure if Cyrus Moss knows what he's doing at this point. Okay. But, um, you know, I think that there there is some legitimate Miami smoke. I mean, just listening to Blair talk, he's, he went on a, you know, his, his I think it was a college football recruiting podcast, which is just a quick hitter seven minute podcast. And, you know, he thinks Miami's a, a legitimate player. I think he still feels like USC might be in the driver's seat, but just slightly. And, uh, you know, he wouldn't be su surprised if Miami was the pick there either. So, you know, okay. I'm sort of leaning on the West coast guys. This isn't a guy that we followed throughout the cycle. So, you right. know, just sort of leaning on their Intel. I think Miami's a, a legitimate player in this one. So it'll be interesting again, uh, January 8th, the all American bowl. Um, so still some time for Mario Cristobal, I guess, to recruit, um, Cyrus Moss there and, and potentially win a huge battle. Um, 
2023 offers, Gabby, and maybe even some 2022 offers. I, I've seen a few uh, guys get offered from Miami, some of the elite guys in 2022 um, that are still unsigned. Who are some of the ones you would highlight as guys that maybe Miami fans should know and follow? Yeah. Um, I mean, we could start off with 2022. I mean, they offered a couple, a couple 2022s recently. The first one is Christian Miller, uh, you know, top two, four, seven defensive lineman out of Cedar Grove up in Georgia. You know, it's thought to be a Georgia Ohio state battle. I think right. Clemson's becoming involved now. I know there's a couple other schools into the mix now. I haven't really heard Miami come up, you know, just sort of, again, just following everything that, you know, he's telling people or that people are saying about him. So I'm not sure how much Miami's going to factor in there, but again, I mean, this is a six foot four, 285 pounder um, would definitely bring some juice to, to Miami's room. Should they, you know, I guess, progress in that recruitment. My um, understanding yeah. there is he was, he was pretty interested in Oregon. Not like, I don't think he was more interested in Oregon than like Georgia and those schools you named there, but yeah, I think he might've even planned to visit Oregon and then he pulled that visit. Um, so again, this would be, this is like a Mario Cristobal connection. Yeah. And, and can they sneak him in on an official visit here in January? To me, that's, that's obviously the first step to watch, right? Can they pull that off? Right. And from there, you know, the chips fall where they fall, but go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's all about trying to get these guys on campus. Again, the, I, I, would, I spoke the same way about Kevin Coleman, about, you know, Cyrus Moss. Right. Like, you know, you're sort of skeptical until you see them make that effort to get on campus. And once they do, we see how rapidly things like that change. Uh, another, another guy that I would highlight is definitely, would definitely be Trevante Citizen. He's a, you know, former LSU commit uh, out of Louisiana, Lake Charles Prep, another top 247 guy. Uh, again, he was offered by Miami. I'm not really sure. I mean, he just kind of backed off the LSU commitment. It seems like there's a couple schools now that are getting involved. You know, Nebraska's offered, Florida's offered, Michigan State's offered, uh, you know, just even just throughout the month of December. So I think he's just taking some more time to maybe reevaluate things and, and things like that. Again, he's a, you know, 11-3, 300-meter guy. So he's got some speed, All-American Bowl commit. So he's going to be playing in that January 8th game as well. So, you know, if you're a Miami fan, I think that's the game you're going to want to be watching because it seems like there's a few guys in there that may be on January 8th. You're not thinking, oh, these are going to be, you know, the Miami guys or anything like that. But I think down the road, again, when things open back up on January 14th, that the dead period opens back up again to a contact period and guys can officially visit and do all those things. You could see Miami move quickly the same way we saw them move quickly, you know, prior to this early signing day. So, I mean, I would definitely be locked into that January 8th, uh, you know, All-American Bowl. With Trevante, too, you know, I think he's still interested in LSU. So right, yeah. any guy who's from Louisiana and LSU wants, it, it's, you know, we'll see how that one goes. But I agree with the, the offer, you know, Miami, generally in recruiting, right, you want to fill every single position. You don't want to take a zero at any position. Yeah. And right now Miami's taking a zero at running back. So. I'm here for the chase of one of the better running backs in this class out of Louisiana. Anyone else? I, in 2022, I think that's pretty much yeah. it. I don't, I don't really have anyone else in mind for 2022. 23. Who, who, what's an offer that caught your attention here? You don't have to go through all of them, but. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think I, we talked about the, the, the five-star quarterbacks last pod, so I won't go there. I don't know. I, I'm going to go, I'm going to be a little hot takey right now, but sure. I'm, I'm going to go with Spencer Fano and he's the, you know, top two, four, seven offensive lineman out of Utah. Again, they're building out these West coast guys, these Utah guys, the, or that Oregon staff had a ton of, of success in Utah. Spencer Fano before Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal left, he had some crystal balls to Oregon. I think those are sitting on BYU right now, but from what I remember, he was the first kid that Alex Mirabal offered, you know, the first offensive lineman that Alex Mirabal offered, I think that that's a name that they're going to really just absolutely attack. So he's okay. definitely one of the offensive line that I'm interested in. Um, I'll give you one on defense too. And this is actually a guy that I, I got to see in person this year. And that's Gavin Hill. He plays at, at, at Buholtz up in Gainesville. I think that he has an extremely, extremely impressive frame. I mean, he is all of 6'3", 245. I saw him in person and I like, I didn't even realize that he was like him. Like I just didn't even think about it because I saw them against St. Thomas Aquinas. 
And I was just like, who is this kid? Like this kid's massive. And it's a, turned out to be a, just a top two, four, seven defensive lineman. Like I should, like, it was just so plainly obvious. So I'm really excited to see how he's going to continue to grow and develop. Cause you could still tell he's young and okay. uh, growing. So, you know, that's a defensive lineman that they offered. We're talking about the trenches. It seems like that's where Mario Cristobal is going to attack. And I think that uh, Gavin Hill could be, could definitely be a name to know there. Is he an edge guy or more of an interior guy in your opinion, moving forward? I mean, I could see, I feel like he's right now, he could go either way again. Like I could see him maybe being inside. I could see him sort of kicking out to the edge. Um, you know, I think, I feel like he's very much built in like the, you know, potentially like the Nigel e. Kelly type of frame, uh, okay. you know, the way that he can sort of be, he could sort of be both, but I would, I would keep him listed just the way that we sort of organize it. I would keep him listed as a defensive lineman rather than, you know, a pure edge guy. He's not the six foot four, uh, two twenty five type, like a Cyrus Moss. He's more of the, right. or he's not like a Kenyatta Jackson type. I think he's more, I think he could probably do a little bit of both, but I could see him getting thicker and maybe being a guy that's a, a big, you know, athletic interior guy. So we'll wrap up the podcast on this note. So on Christmas day, Gabby, I dropped like a little fun, you know, shoot your shot way too early crystal ball picks for Miami for this 2023 class. Right. And I did them all with a confidence score of one. So I'm just, I'm having fun. I do, you know, I made these predictions based on, you know, background knowledge and or previous relationships with Mario Cristobal at Oregon that date back to there. Um, and of course, you know, these crystal ball predictions got a little bit of a stir. Um, I had uh, some Alabama fans DM me on Twitter <laughs> telling me how I'm crazy and all that, which is always interesting. Um, so, you know, again, I was just having fun, but I do think, you know, I, I list, I made what 12, I would bet I hit on seven, at least seven of those crystal ball predictions. Um, so I just wanted to, you know, again, if you want to go check out the article, check out inside the um, but it was a mix of South Florida guys and like national big, big, big time guys. Um, but I'm curious, Gabby, when you saw the article, give me two guys where you're like, I can see where David's coming from, but man, that one's a little crazy. I could see where you're coming from, but that's a little crazy. Okay. I think the first one I would probably go with is uh, Javon Brown out of Deerfield Beach. Okay. And it was honestly just maybe just a timing thing because then he dropped like a top seven that Miami wasn't including in. But I also think that it's really early in this process. And I, I, I feel like I, one thing I learned a lot <laughs> For this past cycle, which I'm really grateful for, is that what you have to take every I feel like you got to take some stuff with a grain of salt early in the cycle, right. especially with these top groups, because you see these top groups form and it's just like, you know, in six months, it looks so different. So, you know, Javon Brown is a guy that if Miami pursues, I could see Miami being firmly in the mix with that one. Um, so that was one that I was probably like, the thing okay. I'm curious about Brown, he's a linebacker at a Deerfield Beach, right? Four star right. guy. And if you watch his tape, it's pretty big time in terms of instincts, in terms of speed yeah. to the ball. Um, but the one thing I, I do wonder with him is, is his height, is his size. Um, he's listed at six feet in the database. If he is six feet, then yeah, he's going to be a big time recruit. If he's closer to five, ten and a half, which I don't know, like I've never sized him up in person. Um, but if he's five, ten and a half, five, eleven ish then I'm not so sure that, you know, he's going to be a, an elite, elite recruit. Um, but if he is six feet, he's a big time player. And he's the like, I put him on the list because he's the type of linebacker that Mario Cristobal cannot leave, not let leave South Florida. Right. In my opinion, just watching him on tape. So that's why I threw him on the list. But yeah, I mean, that one is definitely a head scratcher. I agree. Yeah. And then, I mean, I don't honestly have like a huge issue with any of the other ones. Uh, Jaden Wayne, he went to Miami, like he, he's actually been on campus. So I don't think that that's a huge stretch. I just think with the comp from a competition standpoint, I think that's going to be a tough pool, but again, this is Mario Cristobal. So right. again, I feel like it's hard to write, it's hard to write him off at this point. I feel like this, these are just like the old way mentalities. Yeah, that I loser need to mentality. Like, yeah, man. I need to just like eradicate from my brain. So, you know, I'm all in on the Jaden Wayne. Samuel. I think he 
I think yeah. Wayne's first like big offer was, it was from Oregon. Oregon too. It was his first. His first, I believe, his first Power Five offer was from Oregon. So there's, I think, there is some sort of, you know, there's definitely a relationship with that staff for sure. And I think he's been on campus with them before too. So I think that that's definitely notable. And then Samuel and Pemba again. I don't have an issue with it. I, I'm again, I'm still skeptical about the whole five IMG star, thing. Yeah. five star defensive lineman slash tight end out of IMG, yeah. freak athlete. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, again, I, I'm just still skeptical about the IMG stuff. I know Jalil sure. Skinner happens, but I feel like, I, again, it's just, these are just like the toxic things that I've just been like programmed at this point to just believe. Right. But, um, you know, I could see a, a situation where, you know, Miami, you know, works that out again. He's really close to Jalil Skinner. They, they worked out together at tight end. I do like him better as a defensive end. I think that he could be like a big, big, big time defensive end. So, um, other than that, honestly, I don't have any huge, like, I, I think I, I thought Peyton Kirkland was like a nice long shot for sure. I think that he's someone sure. that Mario Cristobal could definitely work on and, you know, eventually make happen. And otherwise, really, I don't have any other, like, I don't have any, I, don't, I didn't see anything else. And I was just like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. And I, I didn't really think that about either of them. But, um, you know, there's some that, you know, are maybe more solid than others. But I mean, I could honestly live with either of these. What, what's the one where you're like, what's the one you feel like is the biggest lock? Like David should have made that a confidence score of five or more. I, I don't want to like trip people out with this because I'm, I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to like set the stage for this or anything, but I might go with Jalen Brown. Wow. Who's the wow. five-star wide receiver out of Gulliver. Okay, I thought you yeah. were gonna go like Ruben Bain or something. Yeah, I could go. Like Ru- yeah, Ruben Bain is the easy one, but I'm I, again, I'm not trying to like Ruben Bain. I would, I would say for sure. I would, I, I, if I were going in right now, I'd probably go win with like a five confidence score on Ruben Bain. But I might, I, I again, I'm probably, I'm not gonna do it. But I might like if there's I were doing it. Go. Yeah, there's a long way to go, but I think Miami's in a better spot with Jalen Brown than. And some people might think right now, I mean, I've been talking to his, with, with his father and stuff like that. And uh, I think that uh, Miami is going to be, a, I think Miami is going to be pretty tough to beat in this one, at least how it's looking right now in terms of just like how much of a priority Mario Cristobal seems to be making uh, Brown and his family. Uh, I, I could see him, you know, eventually being in the class. And I would say this too, outside of Javon Brown, the linebacker we discussed earlier, the South Florida guys I did include, I do feel really good about if Miami wants to go all yeah. in on them. So, right. and they my, will, they will. Right. Right. So, recruiting is going to hit another level um, from a South Florida standpoint. And honestly, too, I feel this way, Gabby. I, uh, tell me if this is just too hot takey or if I'm just like, you know, taking a bath too much in this Mario Cristobal hype. Uh, if you were going to say, like, if I told you Mario Cristobal is going to land at least one five-star every cycle, is that crazy talk to you? No, I don't think that's crazy talk at all. What about two? Two would be, I think that would, I think that eventually becomes the, I think that I think that could eventually become the possibility. Like I, again, I wouldn't be surprised if even like in 2023 he signed right. two five stars. I feel like that's sort of what he started doing at Oregon. And again, you just consider the landscape and where he is. There's gonna be five stars. There's gonna be at least a couple five stars between Dade County and like you know Tampa, Orlando, Central Florida. Like that area will always have a few five stars. I right. think. I feel like that's yeah, typically yeah. the case, or if not, extremely high rated four stars. So. Um, you know, I don't think that that's crazy at all to say that two five, like Mario Cristobal could get to a point where he's eventually bringing in at least two five stars a cycle. Um, I, Which, I wouldn't be surprised that at one point, you know, it's again, I think it's going to be fluctuate, obviously, but I think that it's fair to expect that Miami starts to land five stars. Agreed. And, and I'll, t- I'll say this, like, you know, talking to, to various people in the coaching community, and these are like people that have no connection to Miami right now. But they feel like, like, I can't tell you how many people have said to me, yeah, I mean, Miami's going to land a top five class starting in 2023. Like, the expectation now with Mario Cristobal at Miami should be top five classes every year. 
Yeah. We'll see. I don't know if I'm quite there yet. I I'll start with top 10 classes. Right. That's what, um, that's where I'm at. I'm, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to have to ease our way into this like new, right. like luxurious life that, that we're living now. But yeah, I mean, look, that's the respect Mario Cristobal has from a recruiting right. standpoint and a talent acquisition standpoint. And so. I, and I think, I think I said on one of the other podcasts, I think that's the standard, like, you know, within those walls, I think the standard Correct. is going to be top five. I was told top three, like they want to sign a top three class. Like that is the ceiling that they, that, well, that's like a goal that they're setting for themselves. And there's go Good. sign a top three class every year. So if it's top Good. five, if it's top 10, if it's top seven, I mean, I think that that is fair to expect. Cause again, I think that that's what they're expecting from themselves at this point. And to land nowadays, to land a top three class, um, you have to land at least three five stars, right? So right now, early signing period, Texas A&M, number one class, they have five five stars. Alabama, number two class, three five stars. Georgia, number three class, five five stars. So Miami's going to, if, if Miami signs a top three class next year, it's going to be you know, three, four, five, six, five stars. Um, For sure. So it'll be fun to watch uh, in this 2022 cycle, right? Um, Mario Cristobal still in the mix for a five-star in Shamar Stewart. And I'm sure the updates will be interesting in that recruitment here in the month of January. So with that, we will close out the podcast. Appreciate all you guys listening. Sorry if this podcast was weird slash off because I'm on vacation in Georgia, et cetera, et cetera. Thanks for hanging in there with us. Um, and, you know, look, I think we will wait for news. Like if, if big news breaks, you know, in terms of like a coordinator hire, et cetera, et cetera, we will hop back on the podcast. For sure. Uh, but this might be it for this week. Um, now that the games are over, we might just have kind of a once a week podcast situation going on. And if it's multiple podcasts in a, in a week, it's because we are reacting to big news. So with that, we will wish everyone a happy New Year's. And until uh, next time, take care.